This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Dojo Live. I am Tulio Sergusa, broadcasting from Southern California. Today is Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. I'm joined today by Carlos Ponce in Cornavaca, Mexico, and Kim Lantis in Hermosillo, Mexico. Hey. Pleasure to be here as ever. And we are excited to speak with Cody Eddings, who is the CEO at Snap Refund, who's uh, Broadcasting from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Cody, to the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So we're going to be talking about a favorite topic of a lot of people, and I'm being sarcastic with favorite topics about <laughs> a lot of people, which is insurance, right? It's like the necessary thing you have to have, but nobody wants to go through the process, but you have to. So, But, you know, uh, we're talking about modernizing the way insurance processes payments. So we're going to learn a lot about what's going on in that realm. But before we do, let's get to know Cody a little bit. Uh, please introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tulio. So my name is Cody Eddings, which is probably pretty clear at this point. Uh, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised, came to the East Coast around 2011 for college. I went to a school called Lehigh University, got a bachelor's of science in computer engineering, always like to play with computers, technology, and uh, maybe even more importantly, try to be an entrepreneur. I used to mow everyone's lawn in my neighborhood for cash to go buy video games at GameStop or, or Yu-Gi-Oh cards or whatever. So um, going forward, I always wanted to run my own business, uh, you know, make something valuable for people. And then through that, I eventually uh, started a company called GS Technologies after college. Uh, and this is always in addition to my engineering day jobs I had. Uh, we made an app called Guitarist in there that was super cool. Then I made a, a dog toy that we never ended up launching because the story of startups is definitely not one of uh, repeated successes. <laughs> Usually it's the opposite, but you try. And then uh, I started working actually for Urban, the company that owns Urban Outfitters, uh, making Android apps for them. And then I've shifted now uh, to Snap Refund, which we'll get into. Cool. I'm still mowing everybody's lawn for uh, game money. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's talk about. I, I, we know that not to be true because every now and then we'll hear your gardener during the show. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, we just missed them, actually. So, okay. We're talking about. Let's talk about your company, Snap Refund. Love the cool name. Tell us a little bit more about it. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah. Well, our goal uh, initially, we set out. It was myself, my partner, my COO, Anise Taylor. Uh, he's awesome what he does. Me and him had connected just sort of through the grapevine. Um, and then a few years into knowing him, he reached out to me and said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we made some sort of fintech product that helped people who look like us, underserved people, minorities, people in the underbanked communities. So from there, uh, I thought about it and I was pretty tired of doing uh, hardware startups. So I was like, software startup, that sounds great. So then we jumped into it. Um, it started off actually as a bit of a different business model, but it was always centered on payment processing. And over time that sort of shifted and we realized that there was this large industry that's not really being served right now when it comes to insurance claim payments. So that's where we've been focusing our efforts as of late. So like you mentioned, Tulio, uh, insurance is super boring for <laughs> most normal people. Uh, it has no shade to any insurers out there because we love you. 
but people, what they really care about is their money, right? So that's why you have insurance. The whole point is to get your money right away when it's time. That's why you pay. So what we do is we come in and we facilitate those payments where a lot of insurers, NGAs, underwriters, et cetera, are mailing paper checks. It takes about 15 to 45 days on average to get that check after your claims approved, but it doesn't have to be that way. In 2021, there's a million ways to make something instant or digital, and that's where we come in. So we partner with the insurance carrier, and then the claimant will get an automated email sent to them as soon as their claims approved. They follow the link and get paid instantly. Awesome. All right, let's see what we can learn today. Curious to uh, dig in a little bit more. Carlos, let's kick it off. Please introduce the topic and Absolutely. Uh, kick it off. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Julio. And thanks, of course, to our guest, Cody. So, Cody, um, I believe that for today's conversation, you chose the topic of fast payments in slow spaces. So, in other words, we're going to be discussing the, how to modernize the way the insurance industry processes payments. So, let's, let's um, touch a little bit into that first. Why did you choose this particular topic and why did you feel it was relevant for today's day and age? Yeah, great question. So, we chose this topic, or I chose this topic, rather, uh, because I didn't want to actually talk about something generic and kind of cliche like, how to be successful. I mean, maybe I should listen to that talk more than give it at this point. I'm always trying to learn. Uh, but I wanted to find something where we could actually take some of what we've learned being in the space for you know over a year now and share real insights that we picked up along the way uh, and not just give you like some fortune cookie cliche things to say that might sound nice, but don't really have much practical purpose. So your motto is not that you want to change the world. Or make the world a better place. Uh, go ahead, Kim. I think you had a question. Yeah. So I was curious to make sure I understand exactly <clears throat> what SNAP refund you're specifically talking about claims payments, like from the insurance provider to their clients versus me as a client paying my insurance provider in order to be insured. So, correct? That's the right direction? <laughs> yep. Okay. You got it. So you also mentioned in your tagline, fast payments in slow spaces. So what is it particularly about this slow space receiving your claim? You know, what is rightfully yours? What makes that slow? And what other industries might also be a classic slow space? Yeah, absolutely. So what makes it slow in the case of the insurance industry, it's really a cultural issue at its heart because insurers they're working in a space that's been around for literally hundreds of years. And in that space, uh, technology has changed a lot you know, externally to it, but they haven't had too much of a reason to change what they do because it's working. And insurance is a multi-trillion dollar global industry. I and mean, that's not even just talking about the US alone, it's, it's huge. So what these companies have historically come from is this like very paper transaction oriented uh, like actuarial analysis based business where they haven't really had too many people coming in from outside and trying to shake it up too much because there's just so many of these insurers out there and MGAs, underwriters, that they don't really have much reason to change when everyone else is doing something pretty similarly. So where that gets interesting is now there are companies coming in and shaking things up with technology a bit like Lemonade is a great company to look at where they built from the ground up recently and they've had great success because they're coming in with a fresh perspective of 
how can we actually modernize what's been slow typically? I mean, insurers it basically go by, or I should say insurers that I know basically go by, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So if mailing paper check is working, people are okay with that. They still have X amount of margin. They just keep doing it. Uh, beyond that, uh, other spaces, I mean, just a quick blurb, it would be really any time a business pays a consumer is typically a little slow from what we've seen, or it can be slow, it's more likely to be a slow space. Whereas when you pay a business, that money is going to come through pretty quickly. Usually it's kind of funny how it works out that way. So e-com is a space uh, of interest too for us where we've looked at getting returns. The name snap refund came from this originally. We were in the e-com space. When you actually refund, you get your money in a few days, if not longer, it's about seven to 10 average, but that product's going back and you're just waiting for your money. What we were planning on doing actually before we pivoted to insurance was speeding up the fact that those businesses are paying you over slow ACH rails when it could be, you know, within a few seconds. Cody, I got, I got a question here. Um, I've, I have heard that in some cases, well, there might be some insurance companies out there. I'm, and I'm realized that most of them are very well known and reputable, but I've heard like some types of horror stories from people having a hard time claiming their money from directly from the insurance companies because they're for some reason they tend to just make it hard for the the person who is insured the person who is claim actually making the claim so my question is how do you make sure how do you as a snap refund make sure that the uh, the providers I mean, the, the providers are the, the process or the engagement process with the providers is as seamless as possible to guarantee that the the, the end user is going to have a seamless experience. Is there any kind of previous filter criteria to make sure that everything is like this or is flows seamlessly for the for the end user? Yeah, that's a great question. So, number one, as far as you know, who you decide to work with. Due diligence is obviously a huge part of that because ultimately you're going to make sure that you're working with someone who shares the same values as you and are they honest? Do they do business approved claims they should? Um, but just being totally transparent with all of you, I mean, at this stage, we're trying to grow aggressively. So we would always try to work with the company and find out how we can better them, even if they're not uh, historically uh, having been performing to the level that they would hope or we would hope. So as far as how we can smooth that process, right? Because you're right, dealing with insurance can make your hair go gray for sure. So where we come in is actually closer to the end. The claim's already been approved. Now it's time to get your money. How can we take this last mile and make that better, more efficient than it has been, more convenient for you? So one of the ways we do that is we actually use our technology to integrate into the claims management system. It's called the CMS. And this is a system that usually integrates with uh, an underwriter or carriers, QuickBooks, um, you know, all these various accounting tools, which get pretty cumbersome once you have to start building them on your own, will come in and integrate with that CMS and make it automatic. So when the claim's approved, we know that digitally, and then we can send out an email and produce that payment, the object in our system digitally. So it's all linked and doesn't require a human in the loop, where typically that would be a, a very hands-on process for a firm's accounting department which just leads to slower payment for the end users. So it's really a win-win. Well, okay, okay, thank you, Cody. Yes, no, so, go, go ahead. So I'm just curious, just to break this uh, a little bit more, sort of uh, broke, break it open a little bit. 
today, and I'm not an insurance expert, so hopefully you can help us, and especially for those who might be listening who are not fully aware of the entire ecosystem of how this works. Today, as a consumer, I open a claim. I call the insurance company, whatever it is, whether it's a car insurance or a house or what have you. I, I open a claim. And then what happens? Someone takes that then, it's sent to some other department and some other department. What are the steps along the way that once it's finally approved, then what happens then? There's a go back through some audit trail for people to write, you know, to say, okay, send the check. What's that look like today for the insurers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we typically have is you file a claim, let's say you were in a car accident, for example, that'll then get kicked off to adjusters essentially who are going to look at that and assess the damage and they have expertise and experience in appraising the damage and appraising the value of the things, whether it's you know yourself, your house, your dog, whatever it is, it's part of this claim. And then from there, there's a determination made. More and more companies are trying to make this as unbiased as possible and implement things like machine learning to actually improve the accuracy and validity of claim approval rates. So that's something that we're actually looking into as well. Not that we're doing it, but that's a trend that helps itself towards our mission ultimately, which is serving people and helping them become financially empowered to get their money. So from there, it's going to get kicked back if the determination is made that the claims approved. And there you have the accounting department, and they're going to look at this and whatever that individual shop's methodology is, whether it's totally manual, whether they're innovative and already work with SNAP refund, that claim payment is going to start to go out. So from there, you essentially have some amount you know, being assessed as this is what it's worth from the adjuster. And then there's a sort of a correspondence of, okay, what's covered, you know, what here is valid as far as what we should pay. And then the insurer does their process to pay that out. Cody, because you're dealing with a FinTech product um, to which a lot of people, that, I mean, I'm talking about the general public, can have access to or sign up for. And uh, you're also talking about uh, currency. You're talking about funds. You're talking about financial activity. And this is just to inform the, the, the viewers out there. What sort of sorts of measures are you taking towards uh, guaranteeing security or secure transactions? Yep. So with that, and this goes really deep, I would love if my CTO, Pete Howells, is here. Um, he could really talk about this uh, for a long time. It's really interesting. So we have various <laughs> certifications that we uh, aspire to get, and then we apply for, and then essentially these independent third-party agencies will stress test our systems and see, okay, where are there any vulnerabilities, securities? And it's really important to do that, by the way, to have an independent third party make those assessments because black box testing is obviously going to be a lot more impartial than if I look over and it's like, oh, yeah, we're good. let's go ahead and launch. So we have like OWASP compliance, for example. Uh, everything's encrypted. And I can get into a lot of the details too, but part of it, I think, is also cool to be behind the scenes because then any bad actors out there have to really do some digging on their own to find out what we have going on under the hood. But we go through these independent uh, agencies, essentially, to gain various credentials that allow us to uh, validate to our clients and our users that your data is safe. With that, um, just more at a high level, a big part of good software engineering is always only using the data that you need directly and no more. Because every line of code you write is line you have to maintain, line you have to protect. All that data ultimately is a risk. So we don't want to be sitting on, for example, 
billions of credit card numbers if we aren't actively using those in the moment we need them. So with that, we don't store that data in-house directly. We make sure that everything we do is passed through to the correct endpoints that only need to know about that data only for the time they need to know about it. And we don't just leave that hanging out in a database somewhere for everyone to start getting some bad ideas about, you know, looking back, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so to speak. So Excellent. that's just one of the methodologies. We always make sure that PII data, everything is clear to the user what's being used, what it's used for, and it's clear what we're storing and what we're not. Perfect. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Cody. Kim, I know you had a question, yeah. right? Go I ahead. do. Um, aside from security, I think you've alluded to this twice now at your introduction of wanting to get involved in a company and a product that helps better serve underserved communities, minority communities. And you also alluded to this um, with the insurance process. So what is it about insurance sector in general that might have bias? And how is uh, Snap Refund uh, approaching that? Like, what is it about your product that helps minimize bias as well? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, to be totally honest, I don't know if I can say that our product directly minimizes bias. Um, maybe in some stretch, you could say it, it would or it could, but I never want to give credit where it's not due. I don't know if we've earned the right to be able to claim that yet. What it does help do, though, for sure, is the convenience of access to money when it comes time for someone to be paid. Now, where the bias comes in, uh, in the insurance industry in particular, even if it's unintentional, right, like a lot of bias often is, the name someone has, you know, the location they're in, uh, their ethnicity, medical history, you know, disability status, all these things are factors that go into uh, what an actuary at an insurance company will essentially plug into their formulas to determine how much are you going to pay per month for your car insurance, for example. So even if people don't realize it, the assessment of risk of how risky it is to give someone a line of uh, insurance is inherently a biased process. And there's companies out there that are looking to tackle that. And those are the companies we support fully because when it comes down to it, even AI, right, it's not right. impartial, it's not foolproof. Yeah. Nothing really is. Human systems themselves are going to be subject to the whims of the creators. So it just requires, I think, a, a, a vigilant eye, not just from the consumers, but obviously the people in these companies, right. the executives, the engineers, they have to all be thinking all the time, how can we make solutions that are only going to take into account the things that are fair to consider? Right. It's really hard yeah. to do. I think where you might come in, at least what I'm hearing, from my own personal experience, my mom passed away in April, and we've been I'm doing, uh, thank you, life insurance claims. And in my own experience, I live in Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico, and I had a claim check mailed to me that I still haven't been able to cash because it hasn't gotten here, right? Uh, why? Because it was mailed via the U.S. Postal Service, which is relatively reliable. And once it crosses the border, it's then handed off to the Mexican Postal Service, which is less than reliable. And so here I am waiting for my check, and now I have to deal with, is there another way to go about doing this? Can you cancel this check? Can I have a direct deposit, et cetera, et cetera? Mm. And there was no conversation prior to this. I just got an email saying, hey, your check was mailed to the address you put on this form. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. So in that sense, with me um, and maybe others uh, like me that live in less reliable areas or have the tendency to 
you know, move residences. I really like um, what what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you for that. It, like hearing that really helps a lot because it's more fuel. Yeah. So I'll tell you which companies those were after the show, and maybe you can like knock on their door and be like, "Hey, I know this experience. I want to fix it for you." <laughs> oh, that'd be yeah. awesome. That'd be awesome. I really appreciate that. And uh, what you said too—that's so relevant. Just a quick note: when it comes to actually dropping a check off, I mean, you have to put that in a mailbox somewhere. That process of actually seeing if the check is still valid, it can be cashed, voiding it if it hasn't been cashed over X amount of time, that's called e-sheetment. That costs companies a lot of money. I mean, when it comes down to it, our product is nice for the end user to get their money fast, but it really comes full circle because the company's spending $20, $40 per check for the man hours on actually managing that check from uh, creation to caching. So there's, there's dual value here. And one last note too about that that I learned from a client that I find really interesting in places where they do catastrophe insurance, like hurricanes, earthquakes, natural disasters, sometimes there's not a mailbox left. So, you know, you can have to drop a homeowner's check off to somebody and their mailbox is like in the Gulf of Mexico somewhere. So it really becomes a practical solution for a lot of people. Cody, yeah. let, me, let me just ask you uh, one more question. Cody, uh, I'm listening to Kim and I couldn't help but think of uh, going beyond domestic boundaries uh, are you uh, how does um are there any plans at snap refund to grow beyond uh, domestic borders in the u.s i mean work with other companies in other countries is this uh, at all in the in the front burner or middle burner somewhere yeah absolutely so it all just comes down to finding partners but wherever they are we want to serve them this problem mm -hmm. is not uh, based on nationality, right? People needing their money, getting money quickly, that's all over the world. So we've actually been looking into opportunities in the UK. Uh, we would love to find opportunities elsewhere. Uh, there's actually a company we've been talking to that has, like Kim was mentioning, life insurance checks going out. And because they're going to a country and neighborhoods that have been hit with a lot of poverty struggles, the chance of theft or disruption in the delivery of that check is a real concern for these mm. massive or what are considered massive to the community life insurance checks going to these places that typically wouldn't really have that happening very often. So this can apply to a lot of different places and we're excited to explore those opportunities. Thank you, Cody. That's it. Yeah. I mean, Thank it's, you, it's great. I was thinking, I was listening here and I was thinking to myself, quite often the folks who need the money the fastest are the ones who can afford the least to wait for it. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes something happens, you end up paying out of pocket and those checks don't arrive to those people fast enough and they can't even, you know, in some cases pay rent. So it's a real problem in certain communities where uh, the, the snail mail approach to it is way too long. Now, some companies have said, well, they try to hold on to the money as long as they can because they earn interest on that money. Is there truth to that still, or is that some urban legend about insurance companies? 100% factual. Okay. So, I mean, how do, how do you play into that challenge where you go into a company and you pitch this, which is going to provide better service, help improve the lives of people who literally have to who can't afford to wait too long for, in some cases, reimbursement, and tell them, hey, but you're going to have to do a you know a couple of percentage boy points for 30 days. How are those companies reacted to this? Yeah, that's a great question, Tulia. So there are regulations on a state by state basis for how much money insurance companies are allowed to invest actively. 
with that, insurance companies are also restricted in the types of investments they can make. So typically it has to be uh, low risk, you know, indexes or funds, maybe they're earning like 5% year over year on this float essentially. But because of regulations, they're not allowed to just dump every dollar they get from a consumer into the stock market and then just like put everyone on ice for as long as possible to collect their five or 10% year over year. So knowing that they have to, by law, keep some amount of money allocated for claims payments is already a no brainer then for, okay, well, if you have to keep some amount you can't invest, you might as well make it really easy to pay that out and make it less expensive for you when it's time to pay it out because your consumers will be that much happier. But then twofold, how we approach those companies also is you'll gain more revenue in the end if your product is better. If people are happier because they get paid instantly, you get more customers. Now that percentage you're allowed to invest can be that much bigger. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a space where it's really applicable, right? When something goes wrong, you tell, I don't know, like 10 people or whatever the statistic is, and when something goes right, you only tell one person. Um, but I think the insurance space is a really, really great space where you want to keep um, your your customers happy for sure. Yeah. So talking about Snap Refund, um, what is it about your company, your culture, that wants to keep people working with you? What do you look like when you uh, do your hirings or why are you a great place to work? Yeah, it's just the people we have are what make it great. There's no question about that. I love my team. Um, we just we like to have fun and you know like that sounds talking about avoiding cliche that's like the most cliche sound bite i dropped this whole time but i, I have to say that because it's so true we just have a great time with each other um you know what we're doing what we try to do uh like we love capitalism you know we're not you know, one to say that we aren't trying to become profitable we want to share that with the people helping make it a reality so when it comes to our team we try to uh, compensate everyone as aggressively as we can, whether that's with equity or depending on the stage, what that looks like. Uh, we want to make sure that we have this collaboration and the best ideas are rewarded, the best ideas win. It's not about egos. It's not about who gets to claim what. I say it all the time. I'm only as good as my team. I love my team and I'll do anything for them. And that's part of what makes Snap Refund such an awesome place to work. Nice. So. Obviously, you're attacking this big space. What's the sort of end goal here? Where do you foresee this journey taking you guys? Have you guys thought about that yet? Or are you just kind of like, let's just try to get through the next six months? What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, if you ask different team members of mine, I think they'll all have their own uh, ideal visions. Um, but it's very much being the story is being told you know, as we go. I think, I mean, I can make. Uh, I could I could say that I hope you know we'll be doing X Y Z the biggest payment processor in the world and you know X amount of years or maybe we become I don't know you know some sort of like space company and there's just so many possibilities where like you hope that your company can keep growing and you can keep impacting the world in dope positive ways but as far as what's most practical is just to say that I've got my eyes locked in the crosshairs of what's right in front of us. And that's helping people get paid right now in places where it's not happening quickly. And whatever that looks like is where the journey leads. Awesome. Thanks for being with us today. We're up on time. We have a few minutes left. Uh, we want to make sure we announce what's coming up. Cody, just stay with us as we go off the air. Thanks again for being our guest. We will keep tabs to see how you progress along. And uh, Carlos, what have we got coming up? Uh, we've got two more shows this week, right? 
That is correct, Julio. Tomorrow, right here on Dojo Live, 12 p.m. Pacific, we'll be speaking with John Honcherio, the CEO and founder of Companion. Companion.com, and the topic is interesting for those who like animals. It's about AI, animals, and empathy. So that's oh, yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, that, that, exceedingly interesting. I look forward to this one. And the next one on Thursday is going to be with Mark Rippon, the CEO and founder of Alert G. This is about uh, this. I think I don't have the topic yet, but it's a health tech uh, company that deals with um, uh, glucose monitoring in real time for diabetics. That I know. And so that's what we have right here on Dojo Live this week, Tulio and Kim, and of course, Cody. Thanks Not for being with us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to please like our page. We'll talk with you soon. Be safe. Thank you, Cody. Be safe. Thank you. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.